0: You're listening to Family Feud,
1: part of the Paris-style podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Orr and Shotgun Spratling.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud podcast. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino a good show for you guys today. It's kind of a smorgasbord of topics. We got to talk about Pac-12 Media Day. We got to talk about our final PRP that we saw. Saw in quotation marks. Talk about fall camp. It's right around the corner, people. Football is coming soon. Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. That sounds like it's bad, shotgun.
1: I just don't believe it. Say it ain't so. No, it's, it's coming and. Uh- it's it, it. feels more and more real each day. Yep. You know, especially this week we've had Pac-12 media day. We, we've gotten to meet with the Pac-12 commissioner, PRP. The final one of those of the summer. So we're a week away, basically, from you know being back out at Howard Jones Field and being on the field, seeing practice. So a lot, a lot of a little bit of difference. Uh, a lot of differences from last year. Yeah, I'll say. And it feels more and more like we're getting back towards normality. I mentioned that uh, way too much probably, but we slowly are moving that direction. Hopefully, things continue to to look up.
2: Yeah, so we'll talk about uh, the fall camp expectations in the sense of what we think we will be able to do. We got an update on uh, what we will be able to see, access we will have. So we'll get into that. And then we'll talk about special teams. We did our offensive preview. We did our defensive preview. And now it's a special teams preview. If you missed any of those episodes, just go back in the feed. That's the last two Family Feud episodes there to get you ready for fall camp. And, of course, we'll answer your questions. Thanks to everyone who sent them in. As a reminder, if you have a question, submission, or comment for the show, email us at familyfeudpod at gmail.com or look out for a tweet from Shotgun Spratling. Usually that goes out on Thursdays. And then we'll have some take it or leave it. The return, Chris. The, the, the sponsors come rushing back in when they heard
0: you were back. Yeah, I realized that I was punishing you guys last week by not giving it you guys the take it or leave it. But then I also realized, you know, I stayed up all last week. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep because I was. I realized I was also hurting the viewers because that's probably the only reason viewers why on listening. a podcast <laughs> this, maybe uh, this the, is why he
2: does visual bits maybe the, he doesn't know what the medium the, is the
0: ear viewers <laughs> the ear the, viewers the, the ear viewers i realized i was hurting them and in my effort to hurt you guys i hurt them too and i so i apologize to all the ear listeners out there <laughs> uh i won't take it out on you again i'll i'll keep the beef off When the when the record button's off, I'll keep the beef off there. That's where it belongs in the streets, not not on the airwaves. So I apologize. This is my heartfelt apology. You know, I had a PR script given to me by a firm I I I hired, and I just I'm not reading any of it. I'm just going all off straight from the heart. Straight from the heart, because that's that that (laughs) he's tearing up, wiping away some tears. This is a visual bit. That's oh my god. I'm sorry. Can we,
1: cut? can we just
0: cut, just, we just cut?
1: <laughs> you still got about uh 10 minutes and 45 seconds at least before you're getting to nick rolovich filibuster territory here so i, I think you gotta keep going
2: he wasn't there in fact told me today so you don't he doesn't know what you're saying oh, also he I,
0: followed yeah along. i wasn't i'm he followed along i'm i'm too choked up right now so let's just let's just move on just just overall i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry to the to the to the fans
2: also, I just want to point out that at one point he said ear listeners. I
0: noticed that too. <laughs> I mentioned it several times. I don't think you need no, to No, you said out. ear
1: viewers initially
0: and then changed to ear listeners. Ear viewers, <laughs> ear listeners, whatever. <laughs> They're different. They're all sure. different, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> right,
2: well, Shaka, you mentioned it. Pac told me today, an interesting affair. Back to in-person event. So that was fun. We got to catch up with players. I like, and we've talked about this a lot. Being able to just talk to people off the record, have chit chat, stuff like that. I got to get one on ones with players and coaches. One coach, I don't know why I said multiple coaches, but <laughs> you know, not trying you to didn't hide chat myself. With any other coaches, I bumped into Cristobal Vaz, so I said sorry. <laughs> so if that counts, then yes, no, but um, it's it's weird. It's a mixed bag. Like there was a lot to talk about, and then also I came away being like, okay, that was packed told me today. <laughs>
1: I mean, that's kind of every time. You know, there's going to be some topics, and this year there were a ton of topics that were not necessarily related to what was going on in the field. Not, hey, who's coming back? Who's going to fill in this position? You know, there were a lot more topics, overarching tar- topics. Obviously, conference realignment. Everyone wanted to talk about that because Texas, Oklahoma, they had, you know, had sent their letter to the SEC that morning, I believe it was. Uh, you have NIL, obviously, is about a month old now. So, where is that going to go in the future? All the players were asked about their NIL deals and what they have. Vaccinations, obviously, with Nick Rolovich not attending because he's deciding not to be vaccinated. You know, there was a lot of other topics going on rather than just on the field play and which teams are going to be good this year. Um, so, it, 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 was, it was interesting that there were so many different things to talk about and, you know, that Pac 12 Commissioner George Kliokov didn't take, what, six, seven, eight minutes to mention football. You know, he got right into football, unlike his predecessor, who wanted to talk about rowing and everything else before he got to football. Um, so it was a much different vibe, I think, because of that. You know, I think that set the tone. Kliakoff in the morning talking about the conference realignment and talking about how there's been a number of schools, a number of programs that have reached out, number of phone calls he has received from probably organizations, conferences, universities, presidents, I think he's probably hearing from a lot of different people right now. Um, And it sounds like the Pac-12 is in a good position as being a favorable destination for some programs, and maybe the Pac-12 can pick and choose there. But I think that set the tone, him talking about that, and that the focus is going to be on the revenue sports. It was one of the biggest takeaways for me that he said football and basketball are going to be the focus of this conference going forward. They're not going to just forget about the Olympic sports. Obviously, there's a ton of Pac-12 athletes that are in Tokyo right now, Pac-12 ties, a ton from USC, 66 the last time I, I saw the count. Um, so they're not going to forget about all those sports, but they know to get back on the same level, and particularly with the TV deals and the fact that they're falling so far behind, they got to get football and
0: basketball right, and they're going to figure out ways to do that. How would you grade? Obviously, I wasn't there, but how would you grade, Commissioner? The commish, this is his first Pac-12 media day.
1: I mean, I don't know a, a grade as far as a letter or a number grade there, but he continues to win the easy battles, win the early, early win the off season. I said this about Jetfish on the um, on Tunnel Vision that. I really like the things he's doing. He's bringing back energy. He's bringing back, you know, hype and, you know, excitement to the program. And I think that Kliakoff is bringing a lot of those things back to the Pac 12 as well. You feel like, hey, the Pac 12 is actually moving in the right direction. You feel positive about the energy around the conference, even though there's some things that are going to be holding it back, that TV deal until 2024, unless they try to get out early. Um, so I, I think that he continues to win the easy wins early. He mentioned that he used that term at one point, easy wins. And, you know, we're seeing that he comes in and just do the opposite of what Larry Scott was doing. When someone is struggling at their job and you take over for them, the the easy thing that you can do is just do the opposite. And I really like what he's doing right now as far as going around to the campuses. He's doing what he calls a listening tour. He's going to stop. It's an 11-city tour, 12 campuses, if you include Los Angeles being UCLA and USC. Um, And he started that at USC. So, you know, he... Stopped by. He, he, I really like how he's going about it. He met with the SIDs before um, the Pac-12 Media Day. He met with the coaches he individually. And then he met with, you know, when he came to USC for his campus visit, he met with all the athletic coaches. You know, they had a breakfast together. Uh, he met with the media. Uh, we had a little happy hour meet and greet that was, you know, we can't exactly talk about everything that he discussed. It was off the record. But just him being out there, these are things Larry Scott would never do. Yeah. Um, and then he was going to a dinner. So And he met with the student athletes, you know, the leadership council basically for for USC student athletes this morning. So meeting with all the different groups, getting their perspective – and I think it's a great thing for him to do because he has an outside perspective. He's coming in, he doesn't you know he's not just a SEC commissioner coming over or yeah. a conference commissioner from a different league. He is coming from kind of outside the realm. So he's coming in. He's going to bring a different perspective, but he's going and learning the things that he needs to know by going and visiting all the campuses from you know, the power school in the in the conference, which USC should be. To you know the at the lower end, the Washington State or o- Oregon State that don't have the same you know bargaining power that USC does or UCLA. So I think he's going to find you know the different um, opinions from both of those sides. so I think he's doing a lot of good things so far early in his tenure and you know getting the easy wins. Big things still to come though.
0: I just wanted a letter man. I don't
1: do letter grades like you.
2: <laughs> I thought it was interesting because my opinion changed a little bit after our off-the-record session because it's really easy to win prepared statements, you know, or win the very cookie-cutter press conference type of environment. And so I kind of – I was impressed in his first, you know, Zoom presser in person at Pac-12 Media Day. I was like, okay, this is kind of more the same, and this is an easy win. But just hearing him speak off the record, I feel like there's a common sense that was kind of lacking in the higher-up region of the Pac-12. And so the fact that it just seems like common sense is there – I think it's a better sign for the conference overall.
1: The two things that stand out there are he's well-prepared going into it. You you talk about, hey, he's not just reading. He is reading a statement at the beginning, but they know what questions are going to be coming. They can expect those. Larry Scott never seemed prepared for those questions. He was, wait, why why would people be asking about this? Haven't I done enough? No, you haven't done anything. Um, And then foresight. It feels like the conference has foresight to look ahead at things where it seemed like under Larry Scott it was very reactionary.
2: Again, it's limited, and it's easy to win the offseason, but it seems like this new regime, if you will, is more willing to address the obvious problems that people see about the conference rather than either looking around and being like, what do you mean? Or sweeping it under the rug. And that is a breath of fresh air considering what we've heard from Larry Scott for the last decade or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, all those things. You see... Pac-12's issues are pretty well known. Um, it's not hard to go back to the last Larry Scott's press conference and go, okay, what did they ask about? What issues do pe- are people still having with the Pac-12? Let's see what the solutions are for that and be prepared for those type of questions. And it seems like he's done that both in the Zoom presser that we had um, and in the you know, Pac-12 media and in the meet and greet that we had with him. Very prepared. Uh, just his overall knowledge of things around USC was surprised by that. You know, Larry Scott definitely would not have known some of the things that he was, and that's just being prepared going into a, a meeting where you you know know who's going to be asking questions, know what kind of questions should be coming. So, do you
0: want to give me a letter?
2: I want to say like an eighty nine point five.
0: So, like a high B, very I think high so. B, borderline A. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're
1: going letter grade, I, I don't know why you could even drop down to a B. I mean. I don't know if it's A-plus necessarily, but...
0: Stay out of this. At you least, don't give at it, least Stay in out the of A range. This. Stay out of this.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would say a. the problem is that I guess I'm trying to figure out how much of this is talk versus action, and I, I guess I'm trying to hedge because I'm like, eh, we haven't seen a lot of action. But, I mean, if you just want to take him for at, at his word and what he seems like, I think it's an A. I we're, think We're
1: just grading the media day apparently. So Okay, A. I would give it an A. I mean, it's not like he's walking in but like, hey, Texas and Oklahoma are actually coming to the Pac twelve. We just psyched everybody outside. Surprise, hey. Yeah, you know, that would be an A plus, I'm sure, for everyone. It would be interesting
2: for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would have made Pac Twelve Media Day completely different.
2: Oh yeah. Overall though, the day as a whole was kind of surreal in the sense of like we were back in person, we were asking COVID questions or forfeiture questions we're talking about name image and likeness and hearing players openly talk about brands and being sponsored and then the backdrop of what is the college football world gonna look like in five years you know it's just it was just kind of surreal that it just felt like everything's in flux and yet we were trying to capture the moment of the 2021 season on that day there was a lot that just felt like this is a little surreal
1: yeah i would agree with that i mean it was a different venue so we're kind of Trying to figure out where exactly everything was, what was going on, compared to the Hollywood Highland location. We're at the W Hotel in Hollywood, a little bit more jam packed um, in the main room, and just there were a lot of differences, some small differences. The players being together when they were being interviewed on the main stage, Uh, so you know it was just kind of, kind of feeling our way through it to begin with. I, I felt like you know because it was a new experience, even though it's a similar experience to what we've had before.
2: Now, moving on to the final PRP before fall camp starts. The
1: one we can see, at least, or is quote-unquote open, so we can see people walking to and fro. Yeah,
2: so we still did uh, walking observations. We even observed uh, George Kwiatkow's walk, because he walked past us. <laughs> Someone on the P asked us for instant analysis about it, and we did it on the P, so it was great. Um, but, Chris, I know you were great with your ghost notes. Any uh, notable notes for the people?
0: Nothing like... Super, super noticeable. There were a couple faces that we missed last time. This was our first time seeing freshman quarterbacks here, right? Looking long and lean. Uh, did not come out, you know, like in a uh, red carpet outfit. No, just strictly <laughs> what everyone else was wearing. So that was nice. Uh, got our first look at Jake Smith, uh, the Texas receiver. He was there. Did notice that he was in tennis shoes. Unlike every of everyone else, I don't know if maybe he has to go through some sort of acclimation. acclimation period or something. But I noticed that he was in in tennis shoes. I didn't recognize him at first. Shotgun had to point him out. A little more weight in the face. Uh, last time I saw him was in high school. A little bit leaner. Put on some some college weight. Good college weight. Um,
2: so not a freshman fifteen.
0: No, not a freshman fifteen. Okay. Maximus Gibbs was there. This is my first time seeing him on the USC campus. I believe he was there the first day that I was not there. You guys pointed that out. Yeah. I mentioned in the notes that Casey Collier, still a large human being. And then when I saw Max, I was like, well, Max Gibbs is a massive human being. <laughs> and he looked even more bigger because I was taking notes from the ground. And then you have this six foot seven, 390. That's his listed height and weight in the in the And the new roster just coming at you. And it's like, I don't want to be in the bottom of that in a scrum, you know, in a pile. So definitely, definitely a large human. Um, Those are kind of the, the standout notes for me.
1: We also got to see, you know, the coaches, pretty much the full coaching staff. Uh, They came out to the field because the team was honoring and getting to meet uh, George Kleokoff, and they presented him with a jersey as well. So it was our first opportunity to see Clay McGuire up close. Uh, You know, we've seen him from above in the Aquatic Center, but, you know, he walked by and you you definitely hear the Texas twang there as he was talking a little bit. Um, so you know, we're seeing the offense alignment and seeing a little bit of reshaped bodies as the summer has gone along. I know a lot of people complained in the first photos uh, about, particularly the offense line, but I, I feel like we're seeing some some different bodies a little bit. And Keely, you talked to, to Brett Nealon and Cortland mm-hmm. Ford, and both those guys have talked about the weight, not necessarily that they've lost weight, but they've lost body fat.
2: Yeah, both of them have lost eight percent body fat this off season, which is interesting. And I talked to Cortland Ford on. Wednesday. And he was saying, I feel like an inch taller. He just says he feels really different body wise than how he felt in high school. Um, but it was interesting talking to him. I kind of got the feeling like he feels like he's coming in for that starting left tackle job. He just had that confidence. And then when you push him on it, which I tried to do, you know, you get the, the player, Hey, every competition is open kind of spiel. But it just felt like he was exuding this confidence, like, I kind of know that this is my spot and I need to take it in fall camp. So I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, and, and the the thing I want to note there is that those guys probably have lost a little bit of weight, but they look stronger. And they look like maybe they're morphing the offensive linemen to be more of air raid style offensive linemen, which are tall, leaner guys that aren't necessarily – 330, 350 pounds, but they move well. You can get out and do some zone runs and stuff like that. So I think that they're trying to morph the offensive lineman a little bit. I think we're seeing that more as the summer went along. Obviously, this is, you know, changing your body takes more than a week or, you know, even a month going in so they've been working with, with Bobby Steiner and the boys uh, with the strength and conditioning staff throughout the offseason I think we're starting to see that those are a little bit those bodies are a little bit different as they're going into to fall camp and I know a lot of complaints on the P you know after the first set of photos but I feel like that the, the I don't see a big cause for concern off of the body types going into fall camp right now now Get in fall camp and guys lose ten or fifteen pounds because that can happen if you're not taking care of your body the right way. Then I think there'd be a lot more concern. But I feel like the offense alignment in particular are getting thicker up top while you know slimming down a little bit at the same time.
2: Yeah, it seems like endurance is also something that has been emphasized with the lot of running we've heard, um, and it just seems like overall they're in better shape just because they're actually having an offseason that is semi-normal and they're not working outdoors in pods I think that overall I think we'll see a better in shape team just because of that fact
1: alone yeah we you can't not emphasize how much losing last season the offseason probably hurt this team you know it hurt everyone across the the, the nation but hurt this team especially on the offensive line a yeah. spot where four guys were changing positions or going to be in new positions from the the season prior and they didn't have the offseason to work on that and develop that chemistry and develop what they, you know, need to learn at those positions. Now with the full offseason, do we see a jump from that offensive line? They really need it if they want to be able to, you know, play up to their potential as a team.
0: I have nothing to add other than your hilarious sentence of we got to see him from above. Reference to Clay Maguire. Very, like, bird bird talk. (laughs) Bird talk. How many times do you say, oh, yeah, I got to scout him from above? Looked great. Any time that you are
1: up above someone? Yeah, name that. When you are in the stands? No. Yeah. Press box? Maybe. (laughs) Uh, One notable player that we've seen a couple times, but... Looks like he's not going to be available already at the beginning of fall camp. Ishmael sure again yesterday, was not dressed out in the same attire, came out last from the team. Uh, both Keely and Chris noted this, that he still just does not look like he is participating yet. So that is definitely a concern with, if you listen to our last episode talking about the defense, how much a concern the defense nose tackle is for the defense going forward.
0: Even if you read the bio on his page, it says coming off surgery, in the in the off season did not participate in spring, could be limited in 2021. Doesn't say fall camp. It says like whole 2021.
1: So, I, didn't, I hadn't seen that, but that's that's a great catch there, Chris. Uh, you know, and that's a big concern. You know, yeah. Chris, you talked to Jamar Sakona. That's a guy. He and Kobe Pepe. We think that they made some good strides, especially Sakona because he got a full spring, whereas Pepe was injured. So. Those guys, it just seems like more and more they're going to need to step up if USC is going to have the success on defense that they had last year trying to replace Marlon pelotu replacing Jay Tefele, who who sat out last year, and then losing Brandon Peely, losing Jay Toya in the spring as well. So it, it, big question marks, and, and those two guys in particular, I think, they, they're really looking at to, to need to take a big step forward.
0: Yeah, I grabbed Sakona on Wednesday and – I was kind of just like blown away just by his maturity and how well spoken he was. I mean, this is a guy a redshirt, a redshirt freshman who literally only has one game appearance to his to his name. Got a little time in the Washington State win, didn't even record a statistic, but he was talking like a guy who's played in multiple games at USC, at least a starter for one season. But he he said, "There's you know this this standard they have on the defensive line, and he's here to uphold that. He's going into fall camp." Treating himself like, hey, I'm going to be the starter. Uh he says it's not really like it's not like he like had a conversation with himself that this is my responsibility. You know, we lost Brandon Peeley to the Achilles and the Keely Achilles injury, not the Keely injury. Yes. <laughs> you know, Jay Toya, he's gone, he's somewhere else now. You know, Ishmael Sapsher, he he needs to work his way back. So He just said, you know, there's a standard on this defensive line, and I'm here to uphold that, and, you know, I'm treating myself like I'm going to be the starter going to fall camp. He had a really good spring camp. I think I'm a lot higher. I think I was a lot higher on him out of spring camp than a lot of other people. I think I brought it up on this podcast, and you guys did not agree with my assessment. So I have all the Jamar Sakona stocks. Don't come (laughs) trying to buy my Sakona stock unless you're going to play top dollar for it because I bought it when it was low. And I think it's 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 climbing. So Interesting. He, he, he's a big uh, breakout player candidate for me, probably easily top three if I'm doing a list right now of potential breakout candidates. So I'm, uh, I, I'm in on Sacona. I think he's saying the right things. I think he's 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 matured a lot. His body's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. We saw him in high school. There was even talk of maybe he becomes an uh, offensive lineman. In, in college, you know, he had a lot of, I don't want to say bad weight, but he had a lot of weight in his gut, and you look at him now, and all that's gone, and it's moved up here. He, you know, he was very complimentary of the, the the strength and conditioning coach, Bobby Steiner and the boys. He was all in on them, too. I mean, I feel like everyone we talked to was very big on them, but his body has definitely changed, and he was kind of very impressed how much he's—he his body has changed, though, so. I'm excited to see what he does in, in Fall Camp.
1: Honestly, one thing with the work that that Robert Steiner and his group have done, um, I just want to mix it up, Keely, you're okay. looking at me weird. It's just cuz I didn't say Bobby Steiner and the boys. It, there you go. Um, want to mix it up, but one of the things that I think is notable is they don't necessarily have the largest shoulders. They don't look absolutely ripped like everybody's coming off the, you know, coming off the bus as the first guy, that type of thing. But we're noticing a lot of guys that had some weight around their waist, that's disappearing. Uh, so I think they're slimming up some guys. Now, whether that's good or bad in the long run for the longevity of a season, sometimes you need to have a little bit of fat on there as some armor. Um, but I talked to Drake Jackson. He's a guy that's a little bit slimmer, and people are worried about him because he slimmed down last year. He was nicked up. He's at 240 right now. I said he wants to get to 245, 250, 255. Um, and he said he wants to add muscle to add an extra layer of armor. And that's what sometimes that fat can be as well for you. You know, just having some extra pounds can take some of that abuse that you, you know, you suffer in the trenches. But I think we're seeing a lot of guys are in better shape, whether or not they necessarily have the largest traps or the largest biceps or whatever. They are in, just in better shape. And I think that goes back to the conditioning, like you pointed out, Keeley, as well. So I, this might be a, a team that. In the fourth quarter, really takes off in some games because they're more better endurance than their opponents. We'll see, though. And that's a, a big thing that's down the road that will be, you know, I think will be a trend more uh, to, to find out rather than something that we'll see right away. But you talk about Sakona, only two defensive snaps last season. He had three snaps overall. Same with, with uh, Kobe Pepe, he had 28 snaps total. And then Dijon Benton is another guy that will be in the mix at that defensive tackle spot. He only had five snaps last year. Now, he played a little bit in 2019, but you know, l- very little experience among that's that group. That's the 40
0: snaps between those three. That's, that's tough.
2: I just wanted to point out, I, when I talked to Kobe Pepe, he said that he was above his ideal weight. And I asked why, and he said, well, you know, fall camp, I tend to shed a lot, so we've mm-hmm. made sure to put pack him on to make sure. So it's not... I don't think it's like a one-size-fit-all where Bobby is going, hey, everyone slimmed down, everyone cut body fat. I think it sounds like they're at least taking it by a player-by-player player approach, which I think is good. You want to have that customization.
1: Yeah, definitely. You, you want to be able to you know, cater to each player and how their body changes throughout a season because what a player looks like going into fall camp oftentimes looks very different than what a player looks like at the end of the season. From the bumps and bruises, how much do you work out during the season? You know, how much can you can you lift? How much will your body allow? Injuries, all those different type of things play into it. So, it, you know, it's it's interesting that you point that out because I think that's a great way to go into it. And we'll see how those bodies look after fall camp, in particular for the big guys, because those guys can their bodies can change dramatically. Uh, It can be, you know, you can lose seven pounds in a day. How much can you get back when you go to eat? You know, you're hydrating, all those different things that, you know, that's where you need that nutritionist. The nutritionist and the strength staff have to be on the same page, and that's what you need as well as the coaching staff. So still a to-be-determined on where these bodies look at the end of fall camp going into the season. But I think right now I think they're in much better shape as a collective and You know, we're hearing nothing but positive things uh, about Robert Steiner's work. And I think we're seeing some results, even if fans on the P are looking at some photos and going,
0: I don't like it. All I know is I'm going to start telling my girlfriend I'm storing up body body armor. (laughs) (laughs) Baby, it's just armor. I'm just I'm just so I can protect everyone. Yeah, I've built up way too much
1: of that during the pandemic. pandemic We got some body armor armor that
0: we can give to Drake (laughs) if he needs our body armor. (laughs)
2: And just quickly, a final point before we head into our special teams preview. Fall camp, uh, we got our schedule released on Monday as far as what we can do, how much we can cover. It seems it's definitely more than we were able to do in 2019. We're able to see more. We will be able to film more and take more photos for a longer period of time. I believe it's 50 minutes now instead of like a 10-ish minute span of time we got um, in previous fall camps. So that at least is good. More content for you guys. But... Um, I think it sounds like we'll have to, to pull back a little bit on our play-by-play analysis, a.k.a. ghost notes. Uh, we can't give as much detail as what's happening uh, in practice each day. So it's a give and take. We will be able to be on the field, and then we will have an option to go up to uh, the aquatic center as well and get a more overhead view of practice on Tuesdays. So,
1: Would that view be from above?
2: I think it would be from above, yes. Yeah, so. It would be. <laughs>
0: Birds. <laughs> yeah, a lot of above evaluations going on.
2: So, yeah, overall, uh, I feel like USC could have used the pandemic as a somewhat valid excuse to completely shut us out, like a lot of programs have across the country. But seems like we're getting more than we're used to, or at least have been in 2019 and 2020, obviously. So that's what we're we're working with. And obviously, we're excited to give you guys the best coverage and sh- share our thoughts and takes after each practice, and I don't think I've said it yet, but practice starts on August 6th, (laughs) so look out for that on Friday. Alrighty, guys, as we promised, the special teams preview, we got through the offense, we got through the defense, now the specialists. If you're looking at the punters, Ben Griffiths remains the starter, assumed starter, Parker Lewis is his backup. Place kickers, as far as departures, Chase McGrath, he transferred to Tennessee, Michael Brown also left, so now you are left with Parker Lewis and Alex Stadhouse. I guess first let's start with punters and place kickers. What are you expecting from those guys this season?
0: First of all, I'm excited for this preview because one, I'm a former kicker slash punter and two, I'm a special boy. So <laughs> specialist and a special boy. Um, I didn't really have anything after that. So <laughs> shotgun, if you want to, um, are PG County boy, You're
2: special boy, you're a lot of, yeah, things, I'm, a, I'm
0: a special, special boy. Um, you no, know, I don't think we've seen <laughs> You wanna take a second there. <laughs> uh, you, crack wasn't it?
1: you crack me up, Chris. Yeah. Um I don't think that we've I'm not shaking. All right. <laughs> all right, all, all right, right, all right.
2: I'm giving all of this in. It's just I guys. don't
1: think that we have seen the full potential of the special teams. Um for one because John Baxter was in charge of Parker, I mean Ben Griffiths, and I think that he had some thing had him do some things that you know didn't allow him to fully use his leg. Basically, wanted him directionally in, instead of some booming punts like we would see in practice. Um, and then also Sean Snyder didn't have the opportunity to get a full offseason, didn't, you know, was very abbreviated in what they could do going in. So I, I think that, you know, there's an opportunity for the special teams to take another big step forward. And I I think Ben Griffins can be a weapon. He's flipping the field, doing different things there. I think Parker Lewis can be a weapon. He's got to take a big step forward, though. I think he can. He's perfectly capable of it, has a strong leg, got to be more consistent. I think a full offseason with Sean Snyder, I think the work that he'll be able to do with him, I think that you'll see that. So I think you'll see more consistency from both those guys going forward,
0: and I think that elevates the special teams again. I definitely think special teams is a sleeping giant if you will there's a lot a lot of potential and there are a lot of talent you know we saw the development with sean snyder even though it was sort of like a you know a weird offseason didn't get a full hands-on experience with them as you mentioned ben massive leg also side note just got engaged so congrats to him he's aussie 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 oy, oy, oy. Uh, so congrats to him personal success off the field and now you're hoping that it you know translate into, you know, maybe a, a Ray guy kind of a uh, semifinalist kind of season. You know, that was kind of the initial expectations for him. I believe I pegged him to be a finalist for the Ray guy in his first year after all those those damn spring punts, <laughs> those damn, those damn booming spring punts. Never again.
2: I can't talk about it. Can't I talk can't. about
0: it. Still got, uh still got trauma over that. But, you know, take another step with him. I think he showed a lot of growth, a lot of more weapon ability last year uh saw his his numbers jump uh used them a little bit differently than Baxter did Snyder did and so I'm expecting you know a kind of all Pac-12 caliber season kind of being that running again and then Parker Lewis like you said really strong leg I thought I think he did a lot of great things as a freshman but just need that consistency up just need to get that a little bit better and I think he's all Pac-12 caliber as well not honorable mention but you know with on the the, the first or second team Super strong leg. Just want to see that grow, grow there, and then hopefully, you know, maybe he can get some some clutch moments under his belt. Maybe get a couple game winning attempts, uh, a couple of makes. You know, that's still something he needs on his resume. He needs some of that those those big clutch moments. He also could get some clutch
1: tackles. Even though you're not ideally wanting your kicker to make any tackles on, but he's going to be the, on kickoff duty once again because he's got the strongest leg, and dude looks like a linebacker. I mean, he's looked like that since coming to high school, but. We, we saw him for the first time uh, yesterday, first time this summer, as well as Drake Jackson. I don't know if we mentioned that earlier, but first time we had seen him. You uh, said you talked to him. But uh, I, yes. I, yeah, but it was the first time we'd seen him. But so seeing pretty much everyone, we basically saw everyone throughout the, the summer. So no lingering questions about if anyone's going to be around for fall camp, if something's happened, anything like that. But Parker Lewis, first time seeing him and big dude, you know, for a kicker, definitely for a kicker. He's a big dude. Said
0: the same thing about me when I was kicking shotgun. It's true. I mean. It's like looking in a mirror.
2: (laughs) I'm going to spare the listeners, but when you said dude looks like a linebacker, I wanted to sing dude looks like a lady, but with linebacker instead. But I didn't because I'm not a singer. I'm just saying. To the ear viewers? The ear viewers, yes. Sparing the ear viewers.
0: And just a quick note. I had Parker Lewis, as you know, people on the Parastyle know I'm doing the top 25 countdown. Got to plug it. He started off our list at number 25 for me. Number 25 on the countdown. Don't call it our list. Our being the 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 USC Football. You took the reins this year
1: after we did it last year as a group, as a collective, and Keely slowed everything up.
0: Can I just get a side note (laughs) to the the ear listeners right now, (laughs) ear viewers? If I tried to bring these two in, it's like a group project where no one gets the job done. Everyone, the debating, the getting everyone on the same page to get something done. So I just did it myself. I was Thanos and I did it myself. Fine, I'll do it myself. I just want the credit. You know, anytime I'm in a group the project, I don't want to
1: do any of the work. I just want the credit. Come Fair on.
0: enough. He sounds about right. So for my top twenty-five countdown, thank you. He was number twenty-five, and I had him there just because I have no idea if this offense is going to improve in the red zone, which means that's going to put a lot more pressure and opportunity for for Lewis to, to you know to rack up a lot of field goal attempts, rack up some points. Um, so so obviously he could be he could be needed to come away with some points in the red zone if USC once again struggles to finish off drives. So that's why I had him in the top twenty-five.
1: If they're better in short yardage situations, he'll have more opportunities. You know, they'll at least get in the red zone. Red zone's much more difficult. You got a compacted uh, field, but if they're more consistent with short yardage situations, that's the thirty to the fifty was an area where they really struggled last year. So I think that could create some extra opportunities for him uh, for field goals. And like you said, that you could get a uh, ton more
0: extra points as well. And just quick side note, I do want to shout out an intriguing preferred walk-on that joined the team, Dennis Lynch, uh, out of Newberry Park. But uh, the
2: accent, though.
0: The accent. He's like legitimately like 5'3", but he has a massive, massive leg. He, he's making like 70-yard field goals just like you know, viral kicks, not like viral, but like he posts videos of himself making 70 yard kicks in like practice and stuff. He is Irish and he has like a legitimate Irish accent. five foot three massive, like just want to shout him out because he is a, uh, an intriguing addition. He was a soccer player that a familiar, uh, story with, uh, high school kickers, uh, football coaches go to the soccer practice. Like, Hey guys, just kick this ball. Let's see who's got some potential. And then they grab whoever's got the strongest legs so that was his story he's only been really kicking for two years didn't get a didn't get a junior season because of the covid or whatever he missed the season so he only has like six career field goal attempts in high school so just a name to keep an eye on i don't know if he'll be a factor but uh a lot of potential i see and then he just you know cool guy i've talked to him before
1: I mean, if he can kick 70-yard field goals, he has potential to be the, the kickoff specialist as well. Yeah. You know, on, uh, you know, when USC
0: is trying to put the ball in the end zone. Get Parker a rest because he's doing that too, and you don't want to wear that leg out.
2: Also worth mentioning at this point, the long snappers, Damon Johnson returns. He specifically said unfinished business in his return note on Twitter. So it appears he's going for that long snapper award that he didn't win in 2020. So at least USC has a reliable guy back. For 2021,
1: he's a six-year uh, college, six-year in college. He spent a year in junior college where he didn't play football. Came to USC. This is going to be his fifth year at USC. Um, he's, you know, USC describes him as one of the nation's premier long snappers, and that's actually accurate. You never talk about poor snaps on kicks, kick attempts, or on punts. And he's a guy that gets down the field and helps make tackles on punt coverage. You know, he's got a, I think a couple of fumble recoveries in his career. I know at least one. Uh, so he's a guy that gets down there and puts some pressure on the punt returners as well. And that's something that's a little bit underrated as far as long snappers go. But it's it's an important key for the punt coverage unit for that long snapper because they can't be touched coming off the line of scrimmage they can't be you know at, as they snap the ball so they get a free release and they can get down the field and he does a good job of that so he's actually an important piece that no one ever talks about and when your long snapper is not talked about it's usually a good thing
2: i always say long snappers are like audio if you don't think about it that means it's good
1: i mean similar to zach smith who was at usc and was part of the rose bowl team never talked about him very good long snapper um and then you know he's got a nasty stash and Jack Casente, his backup, has some nasty flow, mullet flow as well. So I think you got uh, two long snappers that are li- really living up to the, the tradition there.
2: Moving to what's going to be interesting and definitely something we're going to have to watch for in fall camp. Returners, punt returners, and kickoff return. Not only are you losing Stephen Carr to the transfer portal, you lost Amarossi Brown and Tyler Vons to the NFL. Those were three guys who were staples back there for USC on special teams. Who does USC look at now? We saw Gary Bryant Jr. Um, the UCLA game stands out in my mind of that electric return he had, but it's a lot of different guys we'll see uh, get a shot at, at returning.
1: Yeah, Gary Bryant Jr. is the, probably the, the lead dog there as the guy that has some experience. You mentioned the UCLA return, sets up the final drive for USC. Um, you know, What are they going to look for back there? That's the big question. Gary Bryant Jr. brings speed. They've got some more speed on the roster this year with Taj Washington, Jake Smith, some of those guys. Do you see one of the running back transfers get in the mix? Is Keenan Kristen in the mix with his speed? Or are you looking for a guy that can make the first guy miss as far as a punt returner? Gary Bryant Jr. has the jukes. You have some other guys, you know, that you brought in that can make a make a guy miss. What are you looking for out of those? I think that's kind of it's going to be an interesting battle. It's kind of one of the more intriguing battles. Definitely the most on, on special teams, but um, throughout the fall camp we'll see because normally at the beginning of a camp you have like 12 guys back there and then after a couple of days you Ronald Jones as a freshman gets, okay, Ronald Jones can't catch the ball on, on the kickoff, so he gets pushed out and he goes and works with the rest of the group rather than the kick returners. So you see that group dwindle down, dwindle down, but there's a lot of options this year. So how are they going what are they looking for and how are they gonna kind of figure out that battle? That's gonna be kind of interesting, I think.
0: Yeah, one of the underrated battles of Fall Camp, mm-hmm. Sean Snyder has a war chest full of, of options to play with. And I think we threw these out uh, for the defensive preview, but even guy like a prophet Brown and a Jalen Smith, those guys we talked about, how they're dangerous with the ball in their hand and maybe, you know, if they're spending their time developing uh with Dante a cornerback, you know. Their way to contribute would be on special teams as kick returners, maybe backup punt returners. But, yeah, Gary Bryant is the the name to know in that group just because I feel like he is the favorite to to win that punt return job because he was a deadly punt returner in, in high school. And then kick return, you, get, you have a little more flexibility, especially if you want to give him some rest. But he was essentially saved that UCLA game with with that big play at the end there. So, you know, a lot of potential for him. Just need him to be healthy. But I think he could be one of the best returners In the Pac-12 and if not the nation, you know, in in by the end of the season.
1: Yeah, big thing is staying healthy for Gary Bryant Jr. And then, you know, if he is one of the guys, if he is the punt returner, who else? You know, is he back there for kickoff return as well? Like you said, are you resting him? Who else gets in that mix? Is there a rotation? We saw both Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Tyler Vaughn's returning punts at times last year. Do you try to keep Gary Bryant fresh because you know maybe he's a starting wide receiver? You know a lot of a lot of different ways that that Snyder could go about it, and maybe game plan to game plan it might even change. you know what we're looking at and, uh, as a as a special teams unit, what do we see as far as when they're breaking down film? Do we need a guy that's just fast because we're going to open up a big hole, or is it you know is it you need a shifty guy back there? So there's some different things that that could could go on with that position battle, so it should be really intriguing
2: overall, we saw improvement from the special teams group under Sean Snyder in twenty twenty. And that was with a limited offseason. I know we keep saying it, but it, it impacts what they're able to do. And so I'm really curious what he'll be able to do in 2021 because he said, you know, I kind of just had to come in and be, hey, do this simple thing rather than – I think he's a, a more complicated teacher, and I think he wanted to get into that but didn't have the time in
1: fall camp. I think he also will have more weapons, not necessarily just the returners. We just talked about them. But you look at the guys that are new on this roster – a ton of new uh, safeties, a ton of new DBs. They've got a really deep linebacker core. Those are the type of positions that you normally see on special teams that are making a lot of plays. You know, you, the guys like Giuliano Falonico, who's been a special teams um, uh, maven for them, those type of players are the ones you're looking for. I think he has more options, more weapons. You got some of those young guys that are going to be trying to make their mark on special teams and you know, potentially earn extra playing time on defense or on offense. So I think that he's going to have more opportunities and a better uh, better overall talent pool to, to pull from this year with just some of the different position groups that they brought in players in.
2: Well, like I said, if you missed any of the previews heading up to fall camp, be sure to check out our last couple episodes. We give you in-depth <laughs> breakdown of position battles, storylines we're looking at. Uh, so be sure to look out for that if you haven't seen it already. All right, let's jump into questions. First one is from Ben, who says, if you could choose five players on the team to take a big step forward in their play this year, who would you choose? Now, we all took a second. We wrote down our answers, so I'm curious how many overlaps we have. Shadi, you go first.
1: Are we just going one? Or are we going to list all five? Or what? List all five. Go for it. I'm going to go with Isaac Taylor Stewart. Um, I'm going to go with Cortland Ford and Jonah Mannheim. Both the, those offensive linemen. I put the defense line because I think everyone in that group. Cheater
0: disqualified.
1: There's no one There's no one returning that has produced a ton, um, and I think Drake Jackson can take a big step forward. He only had two sacks last year. And you're looking at Thule Sakona, Pepe, that whole group. So yeah, I couldn't pick just one. So. Trash, trash. Chris, Brew McCoy
0: too.
2: Salvage this, Chris.
0: Uh, I follow the rules. And I already told you early in the show all the stock I own. Jamar Sacona, he's my pick for a breakout candidate. I also had Jonah Monheim. Raylan Goforth was another one I had. Not about that, uh, Chase Williams, mm-hmm. and also Good Brew one. McCoy.
2: I had Isaac Taylor Stewart, Kobe Pepe, Brew McCoy. Keontae Ingram, don't know if that counts, but I'm putting it in there because I feel like he kind of had a bad rep with Texas fans, but I was impressed from what I saw in spring camp. And then a kind of wild card, I said
1: Josh Jackson. I wrote him down initially as well, um, but well, I was trying to slim it down to five. <laughs> yeah, four, and then he four, picked okay. the four entire and defensive group. line. Four in one
0: group. Okay, so let us know in the comments when you listen who won or on Twitter. Obviously, it's me, but...
2: Who won. She
0: didn't follow the rules. She picked someone that wasn't even on the team last year, so yeah.
2: He's taking a step forward. I think that counts. Let us know. We got a question from Joseph who said, I think Clay Helton is a good coach, but it drives me nuts every year to hear him and the staff talk about building a good culture. He's been the coach since 2015. That culture should already exist. How much hitting going on in week two and three of fall camp will tell it all? Thoughts? and I know you're probably right there.
1: No, I definitely think that it, well, what they do in two and three is important. But after they go through that mock week and we see that, you know, okay, there's some optimism there. What are they going to do after that? I think it's more than what they do just in week two and week three. It's are we going to see it continue? Now, I would like to see what they did in the spring where they mixed some things up, did some different things, the Trojan drill and, you know, stopping practice and changing up things. Would love to see that in fall camp, mix it up, rather than just getting in a routine and being set, which is what Clay Helton has done every single year. With the new defensive staff and with Clay McGuire on staff now, do we see some differences? I think they have changed the culture, and I think that's all started with the defensive staff. Um, Can they continue it, though? They've made an adjustment to the culture. I won't say they changed the culture. They made an adjustment to it. Can they fully change it? We'll have to find out at the end of fall camp, as they go into that first game, more than just fall camp itself, I think.
0: Yeah, I think if you, I think shotgun hit it on the head. But if you continue to see those kinds of, you know, keeping the team on their toes, changing some stuff up, not sticking the to the routine, you know, I, I would still like to see that, you know, that Trojan drill come out every once in a while, get the team hyped, get those freshmen, uh, get that, get that experience for them part of the team because it is a big team bonding experience going mm-hmm. through that together. So I would like to see some of that, but I also will. You know, play the other side and say, "Look, the season is coming up, so I think you need to be wary of not beating up your team too much with the season opener right around the corner." So I I think you you want to see that moving forward, but I think you also need to be cognizant of you know you need your guys healthy come September September fourth and for the long term.
1: As they say, a little strategery with it, you know, be strategic in when you choose to break out drills like that and when you choose to mix things up. It doesn't have to be full bore when we have full pads. We're just going to tackle. We're going to scrimmage every single time for two hours. No, but when you see the team is going in a lull and you're wearing full pads, that's the time to make an adjustment to the practice schedule. You can't just be set in stone with everything you're going to do, which is basically what they've done. They've gotten to that routine, which is a positive thing in a way to be prepared for the game and have your game day routine. But with 18- to 22-year-olds, you have to be able to switch things up, keep them invested, keep them you know on their toes a little bit, and, and keep things you know from becoming mundane. And that's what can happen in fall camp, especially week two, week three. Yeah. You know, you're just going. It kind of becomes a slog, and it's not the same as it was even ten years ago when there were two days and everything else. But it still becomes a slog because you know you're basically football for twenty four hours. You know, twenty four or six. They get one day off during the week, but it's basically twenty four hours because you don't have classes yet.
2: I get Joseph's point about the culture thing. I will say though, this year seems like it could be different solely because USC's athletic administration and Clay Helton specifically sought out people who have this hard-nosed tackling mentality. Like it seems like it's it's in their nature. Like we, you can't make up what Todd Orlando says. Like that guy breathes it. Like no pad practices don't even count. So I just think it's interesting. I said it last week, but this is where the rubber meets the road. How are those people on the staff who bring that culture, what's that going to look like when they meet the Clay Hilton that goes into fall camp and then wants to to kind of pull back a little bit? What will we see? I don't know. And I, I do think Joseph is right. This will be the test.
1: And how many players are on Rehab Island in week three? Is there 25 players over there? Are you injured or are you hurt? Um, are, are some guys able to push through and practice? I think that's something to keep an eye on as well.
2: We got a question from Keith who said they can still put Reggie's number up in the Coliseum for all the Heisman retired numbers, question mark? It was like a statement question.
1: I mean, why can't USC? There's nothing stopping them. There's no disassociation even if you know he has won a Heisman. That's for Heisman Trophy winners. Does he have a trophy? No, but he has won a Heisman. So I don't see why not. And I think they should do it in a ceremony. It should be a re-unveiling of that number.
2: And obviously, Keith's question is coming off the heels of the NCAA, saying that they are not going to relook at past infractions based on the new name, image, and likeness rules.
1: Come on, the past is the past. We don't want to worry about that. Which is actually exactly what I would have done if I was the NCAA. Because you're just going to open up a whole can of worms if you start saying, well, this one can come back, but this guy's still being punished or whatever. Now, if they want to push it and go to court and do everything else, then maybe you change your mind, but... Just straight up be like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to move forward.
2: We got a question from Chris who says With NIL coming into play this season and rosters having double numbers, could we see USC put names on the back of jerseys to make players easier to identify? I know USC fans and alumni freak out if you even mention changing the color of the shoelaces to the uniform. It's true.
1: I think it's still a long way away. You know, I think there's still be an uproar with that. I think you can still. If you're a player, you can still sell the jersey in a different way um, to to be able to make money off the NLI, but or NIL. But I don't think that the fan base and the administration is looking in that direction right now.
2: They also can't pose in their jerseys. That's property of USC. So that would kind of make that argument to uh, put
1: unless USC allows it. You know, USC would have to have an agreement with the players that they could do that. So. Unless sure, they're getting a cut of it, USC's probably not doing that. So yeah. yeah,
2: And right now in the NIL rules that USC wrote for the university, that's not the case. So I don't think that that will be influenced at all because of NIL. We got one last question, and it's from Ben. He says, looking back at highly rated recruits who just didn't work out at USC, which ones bum you out the most? I have trouble letting go of Kenny Bigelow, a damn five-star defensive tackle, he says. Not really doing anything as a Trojan. Bryce Dixon was a tough one, too. Obviously, they didn't work out for different reasons, but it sucks that we never got to see them do their thing.
0: I mean, I'm a little newer to the beat, so I think one that stands out to me is Joseph Lewis. Mm. He was a guy I was... He was probably the first like cycle that i covered with usc fully so i got to know him really good talent out of you know hawkins high school just the off-field stuff just really derailed that so i think that would be my my pick
1: yeah i didn't even think about him Uh, bigelow is definitely one and yeah you know multiple knee injuries just never got to see him live up to his potential a guy from from your neck of the woods over there uh maryland delaware area and when you get a five star guy to come across the country like that at a position where, especially nowadays, there's you know limited talent on the West Coast in trenches compared to some other parts of the country, you expect that guy to really take off. Another one in a similar vein, EJ Price, the offensive lineman that you know from Georgia that came across and just you know had had some off the field issues that couldn't get everything together. Um, so those two kind of stand out to me. The one that
2: pops in my head that you haven't mentioned yet is jamel cook Mm -hmm. that was someone who in that spring camp he was in the wrong place but he showed potential and and that just didn't pan out either
1: yeah i also think of alawella batiku um a guy that went to illinois and had some success there but i just usc never used him in in the way that i think was best suited for him and i think it stunned him a little bit and he had some hip issues great kid loved talking to him Uh, But, you know, it just never panned out for him at USC. Same thing with Josh Amarabebe. Went to Illinois and had a successful uh, season or two there, uh, but didn't work out at USC. And also another great kid that, you know, came across from Georgia and expected some some big things from him just with the athleticism that both of those guys had. But unfortunately, it didn't work out at USC. Max Brown's another guy that we see around a lot. You know, always enjoy talking to and whatnot, but just didn't work out for him as a five-star guy, you know, coming down from Washington. Uh, winning the job and then getting beaten out by Sam Darnold and you know unfortunately for him after he transferred to Pitt his career ended basically with a shoulder injury so he didn't get to see if he you know could make a roster in the NFL so unfortunate for a couple guys that injuries derail them Um, you know some guys it's off the field stuff but there's always some talented players that you expect a lot from and and hope for the best for them and and things don't work out and I think that's what everyone in this category kind of is.
2: Alrighty, well, that wraps it up for questions, which means, Chris Trevino, it's time for me to pass the torch to you. It's time for some take it or leave it.
0: Guys, we're back. Took a break off from the fake corporate, fake real corporate sponsorships. You know, I had a lot of people hitting me up interested for last week, but I told them, no, can't do it. Have to send a message. (laughs) But we're back now. And guys, we like to ball outside of this podcast, right?
2: all his
1: life back when i was in shape
0: <laughs> i think we're all thinking of different things but <laughs> we are very humble on this show but outside of this show we are f-ing savages
2: <laughs> okay got your believe in
0: that's why the family feud and uscfootball.com is partnering partnering with visa to bring you the peristyle red card oh Fancy. so you can ball like the ball like us everywhere you go Customize your card with your favorite USC athletes or even us. There is an exclusive back-to-back photo of Shotgun and I for Helium Boys if you sign up for the red card before the start of fall camp next Friday. So how's that sound?
1: Man, that sounds good.
2: Can you customize the faces? Because if you guys look mad at me, maybe I'll spin less.
0: (laughs) That's also a good point. (laughs) The more you buy, the more exclusive perks you get through the card. Okay. Free tickets to games. Photo ops with Turnover Traveler. Ooh!
2: Not Traveler. Turnover Traveler.
0: You spend five thousand points in your first year. You get invited to all of Keeley's birthday parties for <laughs> <in> perpetuity. <laughs> if you spend a hundred thousand in the first year, you get to go on two vacations with Ryan Abraham. <laughs> International. It's Think gonna be hard that.
1: to pick which one you go on. I
0: know. There's so many other goodies. <laughs> so many other goodies. Lynn Swan autograph headshots. This one's been in the, the 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 pipeline for a while. We have all these stashed up so we got to get rid of them. But there's so much more. Guys, I got mine 2 weeks ago and I've been bawling out.
2: What is happening? There's a visual bit happening right I've now. I've been
0: bawling out. He, he just put, on, the sh- he just the put on a chain. I've been balling out, guys. He's
2: he he just put on a chain.
0: Guys. It's the ball out chain. So turnover chain or anything else i went to the same guy that does little did Louis, little uzi vert's head thing diamond in his head <laughs> so i'm out here sure my card has a 40% interest rate but i look good i'm out here take your mind off frustrating credit cards and leave your friends colleagues and haters jealous of your sc plastic visa everywhere you want to be unless it's the college football playoff <laughs> Thank you, Visa. We really appreciate you coming back in style with a great one. Thanks for hooking this up. Uh, so, yeah. What do you guys think? You guys you guys going to get that sign up? Hey, I mean, the interest rate is up there. But the no, that's for me. That's because my credit is so oh, shitty. Okay. So <laughs> you probably can get a better one. But that's just the, me. The
1: key is just pay it off every month. You get to all the points, pay it off every month. That's the key to a credit card there. But I'm in. I'm in. Okay, sounds great.
2: Here's the question. If I get five thousand points, and I birthday for me, how does that work? Since I'm the reward.
0: Yeah, we'll get you something else, but okay. that's for that's for everyone but you. If yeah. you get to five thousand, maybe we'll get a cake for you for everybody. right.
1: Oh, thanks that you can share with everyone else. Yeah, that gets to five thousand. Okay. okay, fine. Let's move. It'll be a
0: gluten free cake.
2: <laughs> it should be to begin <laughs> with because it's my birthday.
0: All right, let's move on. Uh, starting with something easy, new. Uh, new rosters came out, take it or leave it, the number zero for the first time.
2: I saw it this morning. I saw the zero next to Corey Foreman's name. It was a little crazy, but I'm going to take it. New things are happening in college football. Why not zero?
1: Okay. Okay. I will take that much more than I'm taking 30 for a quarterback, which is what Mohassan is listed at now. Even though he's going to be injured this season, not going to be in pads in that number still as a quarterback. That's just funky.
0: So you are taking it? Taking it. Okay. Reggie Bush, been in the news a lot. So we'll start off with the first one. The new Reggie Bush doc says he's finally ready to tell his story. Are you taking or leaving a new... I don't think there has been one, but are you taking or leaving a Reggie Bush documentary? I mean, why would you not take that? With his side of the
1: story, um, when he's been very quiet about this entire situation for a decade, basically... Now he's gonna you know tell his side of the story. So I'm interested to see what his side of the story is. You gotta remember, and USC fans, I'm sure it'll be difficult for them to do that, but this is his side of the story. And the NCAA has their own side of the story. I don't know if that's gonna be told in the doc or they're gonna try to get the NCAA if they tried to get the NCAA involved in the documentary at all. Uh, but remember it's just one side of the story. But definitely, I'm definitely interested to see what he has to say, and you know, especially. I hope that he talks about how it affected him going forward, yeah. Um, and how you know he's talked about since since the disassociation has ended. He's talked about how much he loves USC and how much USC means to him. So not being for a decade, not being able to rep USC, what did that mean to him? You know those type of things. That's what I'm really interested to see, uh, more so than just him straight telling his side of the story. Because then again, it is one side of the story versus the other.
2: I agree with what Shotgun said. Also, because just sitting through the Todd McNair trial, mm-hmm. that point. that was the one voice that was really needed in all of it, and it was just missing. And so, I'm really curious to see what
1: he has to say about it all. Wonder if they'll get Todd McNair for the doc. That'd be good. Ooh,
2: interesting. Who, by the way, congrats to him. Settled with NCAA. So there you go.
0: Finally, continuing with Reggie, the NCAA recently doubled down on their decision to not reopen the case or look or possibly review giving reggie bush back his heisman reggie bush has gone on a twitter rant as we were doing this podcast so i asked you guys that reggie bush would get his heisman back before 2022 so now i'm opening it up again because you know nothing has ever sent stone but will reggie ever get his heisman back on the heels of this announcement
2: i literally said leave it last time and you guys thought i was crazy and i still stand with it i'm leaving it i don't think he's gonna get back
1: I'm taking it. He'll eventually get it back, because when the
0: NCAA is dissolved, <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Well, if we're going that route. <laughs>
0: he went. He, uh, he <laughs> went full book, full picture, baby. He's looking. Uh,
1: Mark Emery talks about we need to decentralize and blah blah blah. Then yeah, the NCAA will eventually dissolve, and then Reggie can be like,
0: "Where my trophy? I want my trophy now." College football analyst David Pollack had this eye-catching quote. So are you taking or leaving it? Drake London, quote, Drake London will set the college football world on fire in 2021. I'm going to leave that. Okay. And I think Drake London is going to have a big year.
1: But to what extent can a West Coast player set the college football world on fire when all the media attention flows to the East Coast? Now, when USC is undefeated, and they are in the college football playoff picture or national championship picture, they do get a ton of attention. But it takes until week eight, week nine, week 10 for that to actually happen unless USC's preseason number one. We've seen it with like the Oregons and Washingtons when they've been in that mix. It takes until their last couple regular season games before it seems like the rest of the nation goes, oh wait, they actually might be able to make it in. And we won't get four SEC teams in the playoff. So I, I think that set the college football world on fire. I think that the semantics of that I cannot agree with.
2: And semantics are important. That is very true. Welcome to the Family Feud Podcast. I'm going to leave it as well. I think it not only depends on Drake London's consistency, but Keaton Slovis' co- consistency. And we don't know what that's going to look like this year. It's one of those things where if they are consistent and they have that, that, that connection, which we saw in spring camp, we noted it. I just don't know what that's going to transfer into games, just which Keenan Slows we're going to see.
1: I think he can have a monster season, but even last season, Devontae um, Smith, it took so long for people to go, oh, wow, this guy's really crushing it. And now the fact that he won the Heisman still stunned me just because it's so difficult for wide receivers to win. But again, it took until maybe the – Penultimate, season, penultimate game of the regular season before everyone was talking about Devontae Smith, even though he was putting up ridiculous plays and numbers before that, I just think it's that much more difficult for a wide receiver.
2: Well, that's why I'm saying consistency, because alluding to your media thing, it has to be constant, and if it's constant, they're probably doing well overall as a team, and thus, that's when people, at least on the East Coast, start to
1: pay attention. I can see where your point is, but we both agree.
0: It's our favorite time of the year, which is... Preseason watch list awards season. Ooh. So sarcasm font. Two Trojans will at least make the semifinal round for a college football award. Take it.
1: If you just said finalists, that might have been. I said semifinalist. I know, but semifinalists, I'm taking it because that can sometimes
0: be like 15 people. So.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna take it as well.
0: Did it happen last year? I don't think that happened last year. It was a was six game it Six season. games
1: too. But I mean. Damon Johnson was a finalist, so you got at least one right there.
0: The loss of USC associate head coach Jason Hart will result in a significant dip in USC basketball recruiting. Can't answer that until his replacement is hired.
1: You're teething it. Um, say it. I mean I Coward. <laughs> I think that it will hurt them. But they can also go and hire someone, a dynamic person as well, that has some connections. So we'll see where the hire is. Uh, we had Eric Bossy, the national analyst for 24-7, dropped by on the thread and said that he expects that uh, USC will have plenty of suitors for this position. So it's a highly desirable position. So we'll see who USC is able to hire, and I think that will determine uh, where that goes. I think they can, can at least hold steady where they are um, with a new hire but I think Jason Hart's a big loss with his development as well uh, on that side of the basketball he's really done a, a great job in his time at USC and Andy Enfield said it multiple times during the season that he's surprised that Jason Hart hadn't become a head coach already so this is a great opportunity for him to go and kind of be a springboard either back to college as a head coach if he does well with the G League at night or to the NBA which is what Brian Shaw the previous G League at night uh, coach went to the Clippers as an assistant. Just Teeve it.
2: Well, I was gonna say the what who you call as the best USC. Yeah, the world's greatest yeah, USC
0: yeah. basketball <laughs> beat writer. Out of control. Just stop by to do this segment. It. It's crazy. If he's teeing
2: it, of course I got to teve it.
0: You know he's going on the radio tonight, right?
2: I do know he's that he's
0: going on the radio draft night. You're talking to you know the Pac-12
1: networks, uh, SiriusXM Pac-12 channels' favorite
0: guest over there. Well, Keely,
2: that is false. <laughs> So, in short, yes, I'm going to TV it.
0: And that's going to wrap it up because off air we had one of mine blow up. (laughs) Vitally and uh, not a quick death at all. So, moving on to that, we're going to go with the fun ones. I have a lot of fun ones, but do not be intimidated because the back half are just pitches for new Olympic sports that you guys will take or leave. Oh, I'm so ready for this. Uh, Yes, because we have Olympic fever. Okay, so... New era, I believe, just came out with these new MLB hats. with the logo is turned upside down. Not new. It's not new. They've done they've done
1: upside down logos in the past, but I leave it. Not a fan. Hat
2: expert, just Hot flex expert on you. Is just
0: like no, not about not, it. Not a fan.
2: I don't think I've seen it. This it's is literally what like it is. It's the just weird ones with the area code and like. Tacos no, no. It's on literally
0: right? just the logo upside down on the hat
2: take it it sounds cool i haven't seen
0: it oh but really it sounds cool. interesting i was not expecting that. yeah
1: i think actually nick young has worn a couple to like usc events and stuff like the dodgers hat with the la logo upside down
0: i don't understand it it just they cause always it looks different yeah they always They just to sound
1: do, like
2: old men right now i don't Come know on. maybe keep they're it moving
1: maybe they're really into the olympics and they've been hanging upside down on the uneven bars or something they want to be able to see it that
2: okay way. nice
0: did you
1: did you stretch before that reach
0: Whoa. I don't ever stretch. (laughs) Okay, I'm sending this to your phones right now because I need you to see it. This is a really in depth take it
1: or leave it. Oh, my goodness.
0: It's a basketball training device. It's basically just a headband with a hand in your face that you use to practice your shooting. So it's literally just a hand headband that's in your face that you practice. (laughs) (laughs) They're looking at it right now, they think it's hilarious. Taking or leaving it, this new age training piece of equipment.
2: That's hilarious. And I think I'm just going to take it because it's fun.
1: Whatever, man. <laughs> <Just> whatever. <laughs> if someone's buying that, then hey, take it. You know, that's... I mean, it's something you'll see in a game. Someone's going to put their hand in your face.
0: So, sure. Go for it. This one is sort of a football one. Uh, so it kind of bleeds, but it's not USC, so... I just threw it in the fun ones, but uh Vandy head coach Clark Leah Leah uh came out and took away all the numbers from his team so they practice without numbers. He's saying the numbers have to be earned taking or leaving this this move leaving
1: strip- the numbers don't have to be earned the numbers have to be on the jersey to be. Visible, it's a part of the rules of the game. He's just Leave talking it. from a reporter standpoint.
0: Like, no, who I'm not. The hell is this guy?
1: If you want to punish or you want to say you got to earn something, Vanderbilt has names on their jerseys. That's what you earn. High school, we had to earn having our name on the back of our jersey by doing certain amount of summer workouts or whatever the work you put in the offseason. Then you earn your name on the back of your jersey um, rather than you just show up and you're playing for the name on your back of your jersey. That's the whole idea behind it. But you earn that, I think, rather than you earn your number. Now you can coaches do this all the time. Some players have to earn their numbers and oftentimes those are the single digit numbers. We've heard about that with USC or you earn a fifty five or whatever, but that is different. Like just not having numbers on the jerseys is dumb to me. Leaving it. Hardly. And this is a former Notre Dame coach, I believe. Yep. They're Notre Dame defensive, defensive coordinator. coordinator. Yep. So I'm not surprised.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to leave it. I feel like as a player, I wouldn't have too much attachment to my number. would be like, okay, coach, take my number. <laughs> like, I don't know. So I'm leaving it.
1: I mean, some players do have a lot of attachment. No, no, I know. Some of them are very significant to This some is people. a
2: personal take it or leave it.
1: Whoa. <laughs> Whoa.
0: Mac and cheese in general has made an appearance on this segment before. <laughs> True. But now we have mac and cheese ice cream. From a company called Van Lethen or something oh, like yeah. that. yeah,
2: It's near my apartment.
0: Yeah, it. they have this new mac and cheese ice cream. It's sold out immediately. Um, it is gluten-free, Keeley, hey, So if you're interested. But I mac, and, wow. mac and cheese ice cream, guys.
2: Take it. If it's gluten-free and it's mac and cheese, even if it's ice cream, I'll eat
1: it. That's the only reason that you would need to eat this. Leave it. <laughs> <laughs> ice cream needs to have a sweetness to it. No, it doesn't. I don't need. I have no idea what it tastes like. I don't need beef pot roast ice cream.
2: (laughs) (laughs) can be savory.
0: No, ice cream is not savory. You would not have eaten that Willy Wonka thing with the candy on Mike TV. And it's like, it's pot roast. (laughs) (laughs) That was blueberry pie. You would not even be like, nope, get me out of here. I believe that was uh, Violet Beauregard actually. I really wish we could see Shuck You're right. He's arms crossed. He's in full on grumpy mode. Yeah. I'm mad about this numbers thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but Shotgun and Willy Wonka would be hilarious. He'd be like, "You know well,
1: what? Wait, they have a brand new coaching staff. How are they even identifying <laughs> the players?" I thought I was
0: going to Willy Wonka for a second. I He's thought
1: like, so too. What? How are they're like? Um, that guy's doing good, Coach. Who hey, is he? I don't. I don't know the players on by in name. In Pop Warner, yet. they
2: put our names on our helmets. Yeah, with that's. Tape.
1: Yeah, maybe that's what they're doing, and that's how they're identifying. But. Usually it's like, hey, 86 is doing really well, coach. But when you don't know the
0: players, you're meeting them for the first time. I want you going to be going on this rant with <laughs> the poor Oompa Loompa who's showing him around. He's like, dude, I just work here. I don't dude, man, this is a Willy Wonka's.
1: Worst part of the <laughs> this is of Wonka. the newer version of the movie with Johnny Depp is that they use
0: one person for all the Oompa Loompas. Worst part. So that's it. <laughs> Cut down on that uh, that movie budget, baby. And finally... Speaking of mac and cheese making appearances on this before, we've also had Saweetie make appearances on this before, a USC alum, so it fits. Everyone is just getting their own McDonald's meals, guys. She is getting her own. You can get them remixed. So I'm just going to walk you through these concoctions, which are pretty crazy, so you have to take these or just leave them all. Uh, You can get a Big Mac with the top bun removed, replaced with fries, and then ketchup. You can get fries with chicken nuggets on top with ketchup you can get a bun filled with chicken nuggets with ketchup on top of the bun or you can get two patties with fries in the middle with ketchup i'm taking it the girl likes her ketchup (laughs) um it's all the
2: elements of what you eat
1: yeah but i'm leaving it because putting ketchup on top of the bun is a terrible idea and not having the top bun, just bring the top bun back and do the same thing, is fine. But the edibility of this is not, not feasible. Like you're just gonna get messy all the time. Says
2: the man who eats an orange like an apple. All I'm gonna say.
1: Yeah, you just grab it and you eat it. I don't know what the issue is there. This isn't like, oh, I'm getting ketchup all over my hands because I'm trying okay. to you're, hold you're, this burger. You're,
0: you're clin- clinically insane. Uh, <laughs> I just feel bad for the McDonald's workers that have to make these concoctions.
1: <laughs> like, what the hell is that one again? They got a big poster oh up with all the
0: remixes. They're the going to be, f- they order it. They're going to be an uneven number of buns. It's just going to be terrible. It's just going to be terrible. Oh, yeah. And those are all the fun ones. I have these Olympic ones. We're just going to run through just a hard take it or leave it shotgun. Right. No going on a crazy tangent here. Just, just at the end. Got it. Just, okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, Olympic shopping cart races.
2: Take it.
1: Supermarket
0: sweep. Supermarket sweep style. Yeah. Is this
1: running or like motorized? Because there's motorized shopping carts. No, no. It's all straight
0: manpower. (laughs) Okay. Take it. Supermarket sweep style is great. Uh, Olympic chess. Take it. Leave it. Why not? I will let you
1: in. Because there needs to be physicality for it to be a sport for me, not just mentality. Interesting.
2: Lame. Equestrian?
1: Why is the spelling be not a horseback riding?
2: Where's the physicality?
1: Riding the horse, getting the horse to go in the direction you want it to, even though I don't think it's a great Olympic sport. Dressage. <laughs> Olympic darts.
2: It's like archery, but miniaturized. But with hands.
1: Take it, because if you've ever watched darts at 3 a.m. on Fox Sports 19, um, it's, it's fun to watch, especially when there's people in the, that are drunk in the bar rooting it on or the arena
0: that should be always a bar. It's a perfect Olympic sport in another time zone because it's just on at 3 (laughs) a.m. True. (laughs) Take it. Olympic wiffle ball.
2: What's the difference between badminton and wiffle ball?
0: (laughs) What? Are you
1: (laughs) serious?
0: (laughs) There's no net? (laughs) Wiffle ball is a a baseball, baseball softball type of sport? Oh, sorry.
2: When I think wiffle, I think of like, I don't know. What? (laughs) That was the air going
1: through, which it still does. Okay, I don't know what that is.
2: But I was thinking of a more like...
1: The shuttlecock in yes. badminton. Yes. You're thinking That's just a ball that.
2: I was thinking badminton. That's why I ask.
1: Um, I'm leaving it. Oh, okay. Why? Because like softball, there's no scoring at all in it because the pitchers are way too good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess That's I'm leaving pl- it as well. He sold me on that.
0: Olympic video games like esports.
1: It's eventually coming, so I'm gonna take it just to be out in front.
2: Also, always mentioned on this segment, esports. Yeah, you love a esports. I love a mention. good
0: eSport debate.
2: Uh, yeah, for what he said, I think I'm gonna take it. But where's the physicality?
0: Oh, interesting. Have you ever played
1: video games throughout the night?
2: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Everything's at night for you.
2: Same with chess.
1: <sighs> you get done, you're shaking your hands. Same your with chess.
2: Oh, no, they're not. You're smacking the checkmate. Check.
0: The checkmate. Yeah. The clock. clock. The clock. Uh, Final two, Olympic Dodgeball. Take Take it. it. (laughs) That was a unanimous one. I felt that one coming. And finally, Olympic Beer Pong.
2: How about Olympic Beer Games? Can I add an adjustment?
0: Sure. like uh,
2: King's Cup, stuff like that.
0: So it's like multiple events. so So you have like a team of five.
2: It's like a relay maybe.
0: Sure. I'm leaving it. Like Beer Fest, the movie.
2: But here's the thing. They all train with water. For four years, and then the actual event, wow, they trade a beer.
0: That's great. I love that wrinkle. Thank you. It's the best thing you've said on this show.
1: <laughs> what, are they just randomly tested for alcohol in their system?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Honor system,
1: maybe. There's no honor system. You think the Russians are going to pay attention to an honor <laughs> system? Russians
0: are going to do it with vodka. Why are Russians water. in the Olympics this year? I don't. I still. Oh, yeah, The Russian Olympic Committee. Get out of here. And those are my Olympic sports. There's a lot of good additions. Look out for Olympic dodgeball coming in 2035.
1: Honestly, I don't know why that's not already an Olympic sport.
0: I mean, it's basically handball, sort of, kind of. And I guess that means. At what? Okay, I thought you were going to do a whistle, but. A whistle? I, I have a
1: lot. I have I a can lot. whistle, but I can't do a whistle sound. I can't do a referee whistle sound.
0: Tweet. Guys, I have a lot that's of a tweet great sound. <laughs> of an ones. I've just been storing them. We need more podcasts to get through these an ones, so I have a lot of them. I almost don't know which one to go with. What's the most pretentious fruit?
2: Pretentious fruit. Guava. Oh, fruit.
1: I think fruit. Said root. Fruit. <laughs> I'm like, um Going through Beverly Hills. I think that's the most pretentious fruit, <laughs> right? Dragon fruit.
0: Okay. No flavor is the name.
1: No. Tremendous appearance, Tremendous. no substance. flavor, no substance, no
0: substance. <laughs> at all. Pretentious. Huh, that's an interesting... Good name, too. Dragon that's fruit. That's actually like a very, like... Yeah, well done. ...logical breakdown. Like, if someone's... I'm ordering the guava of the dragon fruit salad, you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> The worst. I thought I would throw you off with this, but he was like... It's like he's been thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this feels like something Chakan would think about. He's right. just, like, sitting and he's just like...
0: Chakan and I had a long conversation about fruits in the car... On the way back from Arizona, like two years ago. That's true. <laughs> very That's true. That's what I'm
2: saying. This seems like a, it's up to Shotgun's and I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go my original answer of
0: guava. Why?
2: I think just the name of it is very. It has like Valley Girl accents in it, where you could be like <laughs> guava. guava. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Can you say that one more time.
2: <laughs> guava. Yeah,
0: there you go. I need that sound bite.
2: Like guava, and then. It just seems like something that you have to get on vacation because you're on vacation, but then you don't get it in your normal life. So that seems pretentious to me.
0: Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your thoughts on fruit and Olympic sports and Big Macs with fries and ketchup on top.
1: I really wanted to know, maybe we got to call a technical foul here to get an extra oh. extra one in, but w- what sport
0: <laughs> do you think that you could be an Olympian in? Oh, it's an extra add-in one. We gotta, I asked we someone gotta... this this week. Like, if I, are you saying, like, right now, if I just dedicated four years of my life to train for it? Yeah, basically. But you're not saying, like, I grew up playing the sport. It's, like, right now. Like, I'm going right now. The easiest? Oh, I'd be going all in on handball, baby. Get me on a handball court. Handball is one of the few sports that I still cannot
1: figure out, really. Like, I've tried to watch it a couple times, and it's like, I don't really, like, you can tackle, but you can't tackle.
0: Like, it's kind of weird. If you're a former Power 5 starter football player and you, like, can't make it the NFL just become the world's best handball player <laughs> just do it you'll get olympic gold you'll you'll have fun doing you'll make amazing plays you'll be the most athletic dude on the court just do it just do it i'm telling you just just be that so i think handball would be my guess i would want to be a star in swimming but i'm nowhere <laughs> have the ability to to make it on that that platform currently or ever probably so handball is my choice
2: what's the one where you go pull?
0: Skeet shooting? Skeet shooting.
2: I was watching it at like 2 a.m. the other night. <laughs> there was a guy who was like 58 years old, so I yeah, think I would have time it. to train.
0: Yeah. You have terrible eyesight. So I'm I crushing would, your dreams.
2: <laughs> I would get some help okay. with my eyes. Don't crush my dreams, Chris. You've already done it so much.
0: Thank you to Visa. Get yourself a Parasol Red Card and you can bling out like me. See that? He's,
2: what's he what's wore it? the chain the whole segment. There you go, some ASMR for y'all.
0: And Sorry to stun on y'all. Got a flex on it for these... Uh, these ear viewers, let them know what I'm rocking with.
1: And congratulations to all the USC Olympians out there, uh, all yep. of the people competing that will still be competing for the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it's been really fun. You know, recognizing some of the names, like, oh, that's USC person, that's USC person. Yeah. Um, some people that are up and coming, some people their careers are on the decline, but just fun to see. You know, different generations of Trojans out there making their mark as well. And congratulations to Evan Mobley. By the time this is published, he will be an NBA draft pick and expected to be a top five pick. It uh, was really fun covering him this year, even though you know fans didn't get to see him in person, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, big-time future forward going forward for him as well. So congratulations to him on his NBA draft selection.
2: Well done. Plus one with everything you just said, Shadi. All righty, that's going to wrap it up for this week's podcast. We'll be back next week. With our final preview episode, we'll talk about the main storylines. And we have a fun game in the works, I believe, prior to fall camp. So be sure to stay tuned or look out for that episode. That's going to wrap it up for us. That's Chris. That's Shotgun. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next week. Peace.